Thank you for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. With your host, Dapper Data. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? You are listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. I am your host, Dapper Data, and today is a special day, okay? Special for two reasons, all right? I have a special guest, as usual, okay? And you're going to be excited to hear about this guest, but it's also Christmas Eve, okay? <laughs> and, uh, you know, get all your kids, get all your gifts ready. You know, you got the kids and everything like that, you know, get them all excited and stuff. Have fun, enjoy your family time. Uh, for the workaholics like myself, please, please chill out. All right, take a chill pill, you know, give yourself about two hours at, at, at max, I mean, minimum if you can. All right, if you can do more than that, that's great. Um, uh, this guest on here probably is the same as me, you know, workaholic, you know, but, you know, having family time is important. Uh, and I don't want you all to make sure that you do that. Uh, and in advance, I want to wish everybody happy holidays. Uh, but today I want to talk about the importance of data integrity. Okay. And I know I've talked about it before. All right. And, and I've, I've had a couple guests on during the time, but we're, we're going to get a little bit specific. We're going to dive deeper into um, a specific subject when it relates to data integrity. And we want to talk about branding and marketing. All right. And I brought this guest on because they, uh, this guest is an expert in that. And uh, we've discussed this a few times, I mentioned before, and just like planning for Christmas, okay, you need your management, you need your governance, you need your quality assurance, right? You need all that, right? You got to plan ahead. Um, the same goes for your data, and it's very important. And we're going to dive deep into that um, as we speak with the guest. And I'm uh, not to get too far off, but I'm always talking about uh, how every Christmas, okay, every Christmas, it never fails. I have two kids right now and uh you know family and all that stuff and i'm always waiting to the last minute right to <laughs> to to purchase things you know i don't know what's wrong with me i don't know what it is you know but do not let bad data be the cause of your bad decisions right that's all i want to say because you're waiting to the last minute all right so without further ado i want to introduce you all to vera vera island okay vera island is 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 a very very important person in the industry of data integrity and uh and 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 quality of data when it comes down to uh, uh helping different companies right different brands make important decisions um Varel, so he brings 20 years of experience uh, helping brands transform digitally and he's worked with what is it ancestry omniture adobe you name it uh, and during this time he helped accelerate the emergence and growth of some SaaS application within the enterprise industry in 2018, he joined a company, okay? And he's going to talk to you about the company. Uh, it's called Clarivine. And he joined them to address a very complex challenge known as data quality that was hindering major companies' ability to derive uh, the problems, the, the promised returns that they that they promised to a lot of customers. And so now today, Varel is the, is the CEO of uh, Clarivine, which is working with hundreds of leading global brands, such as the ones I mentioned before, Adobe, Ancestry, um, you know, and, and he really touches on that, that important question, right? As data continues to grow tremendously, right? I, and I actually have a problem with this. I work in the, uh, in, in the different government spaces, right? And, and with the government, right, we have this question, how do you handle the quality of data that is so far, you feel like it's so far behind, you know, it's grown so far, it's out of control, it's to the point where you say, look, I don't even want to deal with it, right? It's so complex, I'm just going to create another problem or, or something in my, in, my, in my field so I can solve that, you know, how do you deal with that? So without further ado, I want to introduce you all to Vera Island. Um, I'm super excited to have you on. Thank you for coming in. Uh, tell them a little bit about yourself, Vera. Yeah, thanks for having me, Bobby. It's, um, so like you mentioned, I spent a little over 20 years in in the digital space and really came into it. I'm a, I'm a finance person by, by background and, and I viewed, you know, kind of going through school and, and coming in my career, I viewed marketing as really kind of a, I don't, I don't call it softer science. Um, but what's happened over the last 20 years is with, with data, it's really become a much more analytical and 
kind of factual and, and database uh, discipline. And so that's really what I've kind of spent my career around is how do you make marketing more predictable? How do you actually make it much more analytics based and fact based? And that's really kind of what's driven me here is, you know, I, I was at Adobe and as many people are probably aware is there was a series of acquisitions and I, I did mergers and acquisitions there. That's what I was responsible for and strategy. And through that process, it became clear to me that as organizations are continuing, you know, say enterprises are continuing to deploy more and more SaaS solutions, what was becoming apparent was there was no overarching kind of data strat. There, in a lot of cases, there was not an overarching data strategy. A lot of the analysis and a lot of the data that was being generated was really silo based. And so there's a lot of decisions being made, but the decisions were really being made in silos. And as enterprises become much more, say, mature on the digital side, it became clear that there needed to be a much more holistic way of solving that problem. And that's really kind of what, what made me interested is, is this complexity that was being created because of the number of applications within the enterprise and really kind of fragmentation, the amount of data that was being generated because all these SaaS applications kind of the exhaust from them is data. Mm -hmm. um, it became, became, it's become more and more clear to me as I, as I was at Adobe, even though we were doing a lot of the integration of those applications, there wasn't a lot of work that was done at on the data level. It was a lot, a lot of was workflow integration and it made it appear to the customer that it was integrated. But as customers were asking for more and more access to data and, and were trying to use data in a much more cross channel way, it became problematic for them and for, for companies like Adobe, Salesforce in the same situation. Um, the data is just not integrated. It's not even integrated at those, at those, large vendors that have you know multiple SaaS applications and suites because mm. most of those are acquired applications same with salesforce and and other other companies right. and from a user's perspective or enterprise perspective it's not that i'm just you know i'm not just using salesforce or adobe but i've got dozens of other applications and none of them are integrated in fact it's kind of more of like they all have their own proprietary data models and they all have specific uses that are helpful at a chat from a channel perspective or a, in a silo but that's sort of we've kind of passed the point where that's sufficient and there's they're struggling now with kind of the growth of the kind of enterprise cloud data infrastructure to bring that data all together in one location right right well yeah that that is awesome and what you're doing you know you make so many great points and actually it actually brought up some like thought to my head, right? You know, a lot of mm -hmm. questions. And, you know, I I do see where the benefit would be, you know, I currently work for Oracle, right, as my nine to five job. And we use something like Salesforce, right? You know, we use yeah. different uh, applications where uh, we just create our own model of how we wanted to uh, export certain data, right? We care about certain data, we export these things. Um, but, you know, at a high level, uh, at a higher level, it may be great to have sort of that uh, data to kind of, uh, I, I see why they're, they're not integrating right across my competitors because it's competitors, right? But it would be cool to be able to kind of uh, have certain data be exposed at that level. You know, um, I see it more beneficial, I guess, uh, or uh, not, I actually see it beneficial at that level, but then I also see it uh, extremely beneficial when it comes down to internal, like to your organization. Like you said, there's so many silos in place. So you have about five different, you know, um, uh, or you have one organization, uh, five to 10 different areas within organization, right? And if they could collect data to a central location or have quality data in a central location where it's not siloed and not making different decisions, you know, they're not coming to meetings and saying, hey, look, I got this data, I got this data and things like that. Um, I think it would be, especially in the sales organization, it probably would be tremendously beneficial to them to be able to have a collective uh, uh, mindset when it comes down to data that's there. You know? Yeah, and we talk about it a lot with customers, and we're hearing this more and more, this whole idea of kind of a common language. So it's really yeah. having a, an, a common language or a common data taxonomy, if you want to call it that, um, or data structure at mm -hmm. the enterprise level. So it's starting at the highest level saying, hey, this is the these are the fields that of data that we use here's here's the data that we are collecting here's mm -hmm. the way we're naming it here's what this means here's what is not being collected in this application that we need to augment it with and so a lot of it's 
in some ways, it's standardizing that data at the highest level. And then also really figuring out how do we get more context around what the data is as, as the data moves downstream and as, as it gets into kind of the, the, at the points of data analysis um, and, and decisioning, how do we get more context in the data? And that's really what we're helping enterprises do because it's, it is a problem. I think that, you know, we no longer, is it, is it, is it sufficient within the enterprise to treat mm -hmm. the customer one way in this part of the business and one way in this part of the business because the, right. the data is not connected. And that's just, you know, we as consumers have kind of got past that where it's like, I want you to know me, you know, everybody yeah. here should know everything about me. And that the expectation I think on consumers has kind of driven this. Right, and like consumers are starting to, uh, what do you call it? Like cons consumer driven data decisions or something like that, right? Is mm -hmm. They're actually starting to do their own research, right? So you can't just put out yeah. garbage right stuff you know they're doing their own research on the company prior to making a purchase on what they want to do and you know uh, you have an adobe right you have um ancestry and you're if you're putting out certain data if it's marketing whatever it is they may go back and say hey look i have com you have competitors let me do my own research you give me this yeah. you know great now you're in the top five of my research prop right now so now they're starting to do their own right you see that a lot probably yeah. Yeah, you see that, and I think a lot of it's consumers want choice, right? They expect their they expect experiences and their interaction with brands to be, you know, achieve a certain level of quality, and they and that's where I think when we talk about data quality, a lot of it's founded in the fact that consumers are no longer kind of willing to accept suboptimal experiences, and right. and it's 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 tough. It's it's I think the 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 requirements for brands continues the the bar continues to ratchet up based on, on the fact that consumers have options and consumers have choice and that's that and that's good that's a really good thing yeah. same time i think it, it sets a higher bar on the part of kind of the enterprise or brands to kind of get it right 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 now great point you know so i want to i wanted to start off as i mentioned i know we had some conversation before and you know the audience you know can range from very advanced all the way down to or same level as uh um novice right you know they're into yeah. it they're interested in it so i want to take it a step back a little bit right uh, i know that we talk about quality of data right the integrity of data what does that mean and why is that important um uh, for us to to really focus in on the data integrity and quality of the data yeah, I think, you know, a lot of it comes down to, and you, you hit at it earlier, you mentioned that I've been in those rooms where people bring in reports, right? And everybody kind of brings the reports. You start to roll the, roll the, the data up and it doesn't, it doesn't add up. Like right. bring in conversions and every team brings in their conversion numbers and the aggregate conversion number is half of what the kind of individual channel or team level yeah. conversion data is and 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 no one knows why and so you sit in there and, and there's a you know everybody's comes armed to make their argument and and so to me data quality in a lot of ways starts with the fact that you need to have a consistent way of talking about the data a consistent way of measuring end to end that everyone's agreed upon so some of it's about setting expectations setting getting alignment and agreement up front and the way yeah. that we think about it we think about data quality starting with data standards. And that's kind of how we really think about our, what the world is. If you don't have standards and you don't have common, that common language, it's really difficult to create data quality that, that ultimately drives the ability for, you know, people to make decisions, but even more so now for machines to make, help make some of those decisions. Mm. About machine learning, you know, yeah. you have low quality data is data that a lot of cases gets excluded from the decision set that's used to either train models or run those Great. models in, in, in real time and in, in, you know, in, the, in, the, in the decisioning. And so it's the data quality is a trickle down effect all the way through the process. Um, and if it's not, you know, the way we think about it is historically, we as an industry have tried to clean kind of create data quality through cleaning up data, you know, with processes like ETL and other down mm -hmm. the down kind of down down the pipeline or or um down the stream of data to fix it and that's a very reactive way to approach data quality we look at it differently and say hey listen 
there's a, another way which is involve and create a bridge to the business side of the things and allow them and enable them with tools to enforce and develop kind of data quality much more proactively at the point of creation where the context exists around what the data is. Yeah, and, and you know, I've seen, boy, in my eyes, data quality or trying to create quality data may be one of the most important parts of the process. You know, it has to be in my eyes because at the end of the day, you go through that whole data transformation, right? You know, and then at the end of it, it's your CEO of the company, right? You know, luckily you're very technical, right? You know, so you're like, hey, data quality is important. But, you know, say you have a CEO that hasn't uh, dealt with financial stuff, right? Hasn't dealt with the understanding that, because even in the finance industry, I'm sure like numbers matter, right? right. You know, you yeah. make sure that the numbers add up. And, you know, say you're dealing with something where you're just making a decision, right? You're making that final decision, but you're basing it off of data that's given to you, you know, and you make the wrong decision, right? Because the quality of data was not there, right? It was... Uh, some type of missing data in the in the process or something like that, or things just didn't add up right. You know, the the foundational database wasn't wasn't properly maintained or something like that. Yeah. Um, and you're not able to to create some type of um, like guarantee or secure the traceability of your data to the original source, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, the, and it, it jeopardizes things, it has to jeopardize things like sales cycles, right? Or create confusion or with customer relationships, even that to that point, you know? So you bring up a great point, you know, we'll come down to that. Have you experienced, uh, or were you going to say something? Just yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting because I think what you're hitting at is, you know, this notion that I think for, for a lot of, lot of years and, there was, I think for most people, there was a little bit of a fear of data, right? Data was intimidating or it is intimidating for a lot of people. It's, mm -hmm. and so I think what we're, what we're entering an era though, and I talk about this all the time, we're entering this era where data really is, it's required almost to do your job anymore. Even if you're mm -hmm. not an analyst, you have to be able to understand and read and interpret data. And right. there's a lot of trust that that creates in the process. And so, I think we talk a lot about the outcomes from data a lot, but to me, in order to get the, the right outcomes and trust the outcomes, it's about what is the process and what's the underlying kind of, you know, data pipe or how do you call it? Data kind of stuff, creation right? and yeah, the data management and the data creation process. And I think that's where a lot of times people, if, if, we start at the other side of that, which is we want to do the analysis and and <laughs> and if you start an organization with a little bit of data and you, and you start getting results, then you want more data and you want more data because you you know you, better results, more data, better decisioning, broader set of decisions you can make. At a certain point, it becomes so complex that, like you're saying, understanding data lineage and understanding mm -hmm. and, and trusting the process becomes critical, so that not everyone has to have knowledge of how, how the data got work you know the, how you got to the point of that what that data is but can actually trust it trust it and to make decisions right and and there's companies out there right that are um their main well they can do data quality data cleanup things like that but maybe like a tableau right or a bi a microsoft bi right they're like the visualization is key right that's yep. that's what they're known for and so you get a CEO, you get a CTO, you get a C-level execs to say, hey, look, this visualization is cool. It makes sense to me, right? And they're going to make a decision. They're going to show the pretty charts and graphs, right, on the board, right? And everybody's going to say, this looks great, right? But then it could, it could be completely wrong <laughs> because yeah. of the data behind it, right? Somebody did not uh, do all the hard work behind that, right? So there's there's other tools or there's, or I, I guess you can use Tableau for it too, but there's probably tools that for the cleanup process prior, right? You may want to clean it up prior to even getting to that days of visualization part, right? You know, so um, no, that's, that, that, that's great, you know? So I, I do want to highlight some of uh, the use cases, right? Or, or maybe some of, you've dealt with a lot of big brands, right? You had Adobe, things like that, you know? Uh, if you can talk about some of those, you know, I know that sometimes, uh, you know, some companies don't want to 
expose themselves to some of these things. But uh, whatever you can, you know, could you highlight some of those uh, the, the marketing uh, companies that you dealt with or brand companies you dealt with that, 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 that has where data quality was a big issue maybe and been able to solve that? Yeah, it's it's interesting. So, um, and we deal with where where we sell into um, with our solution today is is into the, some of the largest brands in the world. So, you know, there's you know we have like the largest athletic shoe manufacturer and mm -hmm. one of the largest automobile manufacturers, largest pharmaceutical two of the largest pharmaceutical firms in the world. So it's large large enterprise that we sell into. So they, what we're seeing more and more is, I can give you an example. Um, we were talking to, and actually we were, one of our customers was talking to us at, at, before we, they were a customer and they were struggling with the, getting the data cleaned up quick enough to make decisions. And, and so they were, they came to us and said, listen, we actually we're spending, they spend probably half a billion dollars a year in digital advertising. Mm -hmm. And they said, we, we don't optimize on Tuesdays. We, we don't have the ability to, cause we are, it takes us each, each week we reset our we reset the the data set that we're using the decision and it takes us that long to process data so oh literally <laughs> one out of every seven days and we just kind of have to trust that and leave leave everything on autopilot which doesn't sound like a big deal but when you're talking about you know a hundred you know a million dollars a day 50 days a year you know or more that's a lot of a lot of dollars that and, and they acknowledge it you know they said you know there's things like that that we just we recognize based on the time it takes to clean up the data get everything ready to go each week we're, we're literally missing one out of seven days being able to optimize and th this is a company that you know is that's a huge brand and it it was shocking to see the process they were going through to try to clean clean up data and a lot of it was they just didn't have they were trying to match context and put it together with the data itself and it was a manual process of trying to match mm -hmm. that and and the, the thing they ran into was even when they were matching it there wasn't necessarily a guarantee of how well it lined up there was there were some right. assumptions that were made in that process that they acknowledged were you know it was kind of like it's good enough that we think that this, you know directionally we're going the right right way so it's not just the one out of seven days they were missing but it was also the fact that the process itself was fraught with with some challenges and some some um, unknowns that they 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 just didn't have the ability to, to address because the scale was so large they were dealing with. Right, right. I mean, you hit a you hit so many different topics right there, right? You know, the unknowns. Right, that's mm -hmm. something that people look out they 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 miss all the time, right? You're you're like I know this part about my data, right? But what yeah. don't you right? What don't you know that's entering into your database and things like that? Um, and then, I mean, I can only imagine how crazy that could be, right? You're saying one out of seven, right? But then also there's more data still coming in, right? Yeah. And <laughs> so it's not like it's stopping, right? The data will not stop coming in. No, no, you know? no that's, <laughs> it's always on. That's the thing that I think some people don't realize that it's like always on. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's crazy, man. You know, um, so I want to take a step back. I, I should have uh, highlighted this before. Um, Clarivine, right? You know, how, uh, so we talked about, we just talked about one of the brands that you deal with and one of the problems that you solve with, with that brand, you know, but Clarivine, you know, what, what is Clarivine? You know, how did it get started? The purpose of it, right? You know, uh, uh, can you take us through that story a yeah. little bit? Yeah, it's interesting. So I, I didn't start the company. I joined the company when there's there were like there were five people here, mm -hmm. and they'd kind of been around for about four years, and were tr really trying to still figure out where they were kind of where they were going with the business. They were solving kind of a niche problem around um, helping create um, structure and helping to, to add context for really for analytics data around mm -hmm. uh, on the Adobe Analytics side. And I and the founder of the company, mm -hmm. somebody that's worked for me in the past. Anyways. So, so sorry, real, real quick. So this was actually prior to a focus on the integrity of the data and quality. Yeah, yeah it was. It, it really was. We kind of, we kind of have pivoted and broadened kind of the way we think about the problems we're solving. And so, in 2018, you know, I'd spent, you know, the last 12 between 2007 and 2018, I'd spent working at Adobe and Omniture. And what became clear to me as I was kind of going through my that the life that I was living there 
um, was that as we were acquiring, I hit this earlier, as we were acquiring applications um, and building out at that time, the experience, the Adobe Experience Cloud, it became clear to me that there was still a huge underlying data problem that we weren't necessarily addressing. And the industry kind of has not really come up with an answer for it. And so what we were kind of handing off was a situation where we're giving more and more, we're arming in, in a way the enterprise with more applications to do more things. And each one of those applications was generating more data, but we weren't necessarily providing any tools or any way for them to actually address some of the data challenges. There was, you know, each one of those as a, as a 2010s, if you want to think about that, is the mm -hmm. area of, era of SaaS as a number of applications were growing in the, in the um, enterprise, the data problem was sort of getting, it was getting bigger, but it was, it wasn't really totally getting addressed. A lot of it was just not, right. and, and, and the, and the big vendors were not addressing it themselves. And so I started to realize towards the end of my time at Adobe that, you know, I'd spent 10 years acquiring companies that became part of this experience cloud and really was, was arming the enterprise with more applications, but was also starting to create a bigger problem for them on the data side that was really just starting to become realized, I think, within the enterprise and has become much more, I think, a known problem over the last three, four years, especially as you had more and more of these, you know, Snowflake and Databricks and some of these other companies mm -hmm. that, that make it easier to stand up data instances have, have come into existence. I realized there has to be somebody out there addressing this other problem, which is on the data side. And that's that's when I was, you know, when I when I first came in contact with Clarivine, it became clear to me that they were solving a piece of that problem and there was a bigger set of issues and a, and a bigger problem that they could address with the technology and the way and the approach more than anything the approach they were taking to um addressing this really was about switching the paradigm from a reactive way to solving data quality to a, a proactive way which is putting some tools in the hands of the business people to, to create the context create a single set of truth around um this if you want to call it context or meta, yeah, allowing them to create metadata that that mm -hmm. could flow downstream into into the data application. So that's where it became, you know, as I thought about what I want to do next in my career, it became clear to me that this next big opportunity in in digital is really around the data. Right, and that's right. the shift. I decided to leave Adobe, and and um, it's one of those, you know, you have those points in your life where you, you, you it, it sounds good at the time where you're like, you know what. I'm going to double the hours I'm working each week <laughs> and, and I'm going to cut my pay by, you know, 70% and just <laughs> yeah. to go, you know, go take on. And, yeah. but it was one of those things that I, you know, I found in my career, like when you take those challenges on, it's when you have, you know, there's a lot of growth and a lot of, it becomes, it's a fun thing to go do. And so yeah. I, I, I kind of made that decision and, and it's been one of those things where, um, as we've, as we've evolved as a company, as we've grown, it's become much more of a reality that we are solving a really, really big problem. And, you know, it's hard when you make that jump and you come to an organization that's, you know, there's five people and, you know, we had one person that one person that had an engineering title and, <laughs> and they didn't want to write code. So it was like, you know, we had to start from really start from scratch and, and really kind of re reset the whole business and did it with kind of a, a broader kind of lens of what we were going to go solve in, in mind from the beginning. Yeah, well, I definitely commend you all as a as a team tackling a problem that I I actually recognize I, I recognize all the time, right? I see it all the time. I recognize it for years, but you're tackling a problem that everybody runs away from, right? You know, because I I know if I look at something like and you're doing it at an enterprise level, right? I can go to a company, I could do a, a nice little. Um, you know, project with a company where I'm cleaning up their data and things like that, but creating a product or creating a solution that solves a product problem from an in enterprise standpoint is something that you all are doing. Um, and a lot of us, we recognize the problem, but it looks so big that we don't want to tackle it. Right. You know, so we say, look, yeah. you know, somebody's going to do it, I guess, one day. But you said, screw it, I'm going to do it. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's you you know it's funny about it because it, we find this all the time. We go into, into organizations that we call it kind of um, organizational entropy, which is like mm -hmm. they know they they know they've got a problem, 
mm-hmm. but they're not even sure where to start. Like they, right. they, they look at it and like, like you hit at, it's like, it's almost overwhelming. And uh, it's funny, we, I, we just had a situation about a week ago where it was a customer, it was a customer that we had that was, was, we were helping them solve, I'd say a use case in one, one, one brand within the much, much larger company. It's a big, it's a big, big pharmaceutical firm. And we've been talking to them for literally a year and they kept coming back to saying, we've got these bigger problems. We're not sure how to solve them. We kept coming back and say, Hey, here's how you need to address the problem. Mm-hmm. And literally a year after we started this conversation and we kind of had like left it because we're like, you guys, you guys need some time to think through this. Like, are you really serious about attacking this problem? And how serious are you? And so we kind of just, we kind of just pulled back and said, you guys got to kind of figure this out yourselves. And, and then when you're ready, let us know. And, um, Honestly, like last week I saw it was like a hundred and, you know, the big, big upsell came in from this customer. I'm like, what the heck happened? And I was talking yesterday to one of the, one of the people on our team that, that was involved in it. And she's like, you know, we, we literally just dropped them and said, you guys got to, when you're serious about this, come back to us. And she said, I think what happened was the problem got to be so, it kept growing and getting bigger mm-hmm. that they finally got to the point where the pain was so much that they came back and said, okay, we're finally really serious about solving this. Right. Can you guys help us? <laughs> And so I think, I think that happens a lot and, and mm-hmm. companies aren't sure where to start. And I think that's the opportunity for us. I think it's not just a, and it's not just a technology problem. Some of this is process and people mm-hmm. that you have to go and address. And so I take all the time. It's, it's a, it's a people, it's a process and it's a technology problem. And, you know, we, we can help with all those, but it requires a willing party on the other side. Like, you know, people all the time know they have, health issues, but they're not willing to go to the doctor and address mm-hmm. it. They just kind of live with it. And I think that's right. no yeah. different in an yeah. organization. You know, they, they just, it's not till the patient's ready to really address the problem. Can you, can you actually start to put in place a cure for that? So, yeah. Yeah. The good thing is, I guess, uh, with, so the bad thing is with, with the health problems, right. You know, it can be a point where it's too late. Right. You know, I yeah, guess yeah. the data integrity, the data quality problem, I mean, it, it could be a point where it's just a you get paid more money because you got more work to do because they waited so long. Right. You know? But it's never too late. Right. You know, it's, it's yeah. never too late. You can dive in, you know, and it's it's um, it's funny because I, I just kept thinking about as you were talking, all I kept thinking about was those huge companies. Right. That started so late to tackle a problem like this. Right. But they've been going on for years. I mean, since they first started, you know, 15, 20 years down the line and the amount of data that has been collected. And I mean, it's just mind blowing. It definitely would make me run away from a problem like that and say, look, you know what, guys, I'm sorry, you know, (laughs) but you almost need, you need an enterprise solution for that. You need a product that can go in and do some of that stuff for you behind the scenes, right? You're not going to be able to manually do any of that because you're going to have to go back years and years of historical data to try to figure that crap out, you know? Yeah. And I think some of it comes down to like, I think an organization has to make some decisions around how far back are we, are we, do we really need to go? Because, you know, stuff that's, there's a, there's a, there's a half life with data and, and so, and a shelf life with data. And so, and over time, as we all know, the value of data over time, there's, you know, it, it decreases uh, the value mm-hmm. of the data over time as it, as it becomes age, especially in the world we live today where things are moving much more quickly than they were, you know, five, 10 years ago. And um, yeah, so I think it, it is, is it important for, it's not just about making that decision, but I think the other thing about it is you gotta be committed to it because data quality is one of those things that, like you said earlier, the data is always, hopefully it's flowing because that's one of the other things that we help our customers with is, is to be able to, alert them when when the data is not flowing or it's not flowing correctly flowing mm-hmm. correctly and and so but the data is always flowing and so it requires kind of constant diligence and a commitment at the organizational level that we're going to solve the a data quality matters and b we're committed to solving it because it's not just about hey turn on a solution and stop and don't think about it you've got to be it takes some discipline in the organization around you know, process change and some of those things that are not, you know, I think they're, some people think they're dawning, but it becomes challenging when you're, I think for organizations, when, when you're, when you get people involved in these processes, because 
-hmm. it, it requires a commitment from the organization that this matters and that we're going to go tackle it and and we're not going to just tackle it today it's it's commitment going forward for this is how we operate the business and this is how our processes work and part of what we're doing is building into those processes solutions mm -hmm. to things like data quality and i think that's where when you see organizations that are that committed um it's pretty impressive i i, I gotta tell you like we have i remember one of our customers um when they when they first most of our customers will come to us and they'll start with a you know a business unit or a specific area of the business and mm -hmm. you know i got a, one of our customers um early on came to us and said listen we've got this problem globally we've got couple dozen agencies that we work with around the world. We've got four geographies. It, it's a huge, huge athletic shoe manufacturer. And mm -hmm. what they did was they made a commitment up front that they were going to go all in on data quality. And it meant six, it took six to nine, about seven months for them to actually go live with our solution. But when they went live, the entire organization went live at one point. And I've, I, that's the only time I've seen that happen. And the level of commitment there, um, is pretty it's pretty amazing and it's i think it's reflective of the quality of the organization itself it's i mean these guys are they are a leader and they they are you know they, they, they've got an awesome business and they they've they have totally thrived and there's all sorts of use cases out there um, about them thriving through uh the pandemic and a lot of it's because they were disciplined about this and i think we see that with our customers the ones that are disciplined and committed you can actually see a marked difference in the performance of those their businesses so. Yeah, I, I, I definitely can agree on on that. You know, the level of commitment definitely reflects on some of those things. And um, so, so when you when you when you're um, I actually had a question, right? It was it was a yeah. question regarding uh, the the actual um, the actual product itself. And I think it was around. I kind of lost a little bit, but I think it was around. Um, are you able to tell, I guess, based off of lineage and things like that, you know, connections, are you able to say, hey, look, why are you even collecting this data? It's not viable to you at some point. Or is that a decision the customer may have to make by looking at uh, uh, some of the stuff, you know, but uh, either way, is that something that can can be found throughout that? Yeah, because I think, yeah, a lot of that comes down to, I, I, you know, you, you hit on a point, which is everybody wants to collect everything, right? Right. <laughs> just because you just it's like one of those things like just because you can, you need to ask a question, should you? You know, it's not just right. it's not just not right. can because can is, is one question, but the other question that people need to ask is should you? All right. And um and what we see more and more is again it's it's being able to it's being able to understand what data is actually being used and not used in in which processes. Because if you're not connecting the collection of the data on the front end with the use of the data on the back end and tying that to business value, then mm -hmm. it's, it's very difficult to know, should we or shouldn't we not be collecting it? Because in some ways they're like, you know what, we collect it, so we might as well just keep collecting it. We might, even though we're not using it today, we might- It might be valuable later, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but again, I, I think you've probably seen this, I've seen this a lot where that's great, but like, they, they typically don't ever use it, you know, it's just, it's so, so it continues to be collected. And it's just more data, but, but I think, but I think if, you know, if an organization has, has um, the ability more, more control over and more um, um, discipline about and, and more and higher data quality, you know, you know, the data quality is higher. The mm -hmm. thing is, is that, what, what more most organizations when they're thinking about that of should we collect this it's usually they're they're asking those questions because they're starting to hit a wall of like we're maxed out on what we can actually handle so rather than saying hey how do we improve the process so that we can manage more data um efficiently and and productively they start asking the question of like almost of like okay we sort of maximize the size of the data set we can actually manage mm -hmm. or or control so what gets right. thrown out rather than saying let's 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 get better at, at, at controlling and manage that data set so so we can actually manage it at bigger scale they kind of in some in a lot of cases data data questions get get addressed and get asked because of what's what are believed to be limitations and and a little bit that that starts to start that start asking the question are, are we kind of operating in the status quo of like 
yeah, we've hit a we've hit a maximum here. So we have to kind of figure out what what should what what fits into that right. and what yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, because that starts to like hinder their ability to kind of scale, right? You know, when you're when you're thinking in that term, right? I know it's gonna cost, but don't think about it as far as, you know, I'm maxing out this database or whatever. So I need to cut down on some things, you know. Uh, I guess think about it as how can I make it more uh, effective or efficient, you know, as yeah. I continue to grow and continue to grow the database, you know, and be willing to put up the money, you know, if you can, right? You know, I'm sure they got money, right? They can do it, you know, and, and figure it out. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's also, it's not just the database. I mean, you, and you hit it, Bobby, at the beginning, like, you know, they bring people like you in to help address data quality, right? Everybody, you know, everybody that's listening that are, are more technical that are, uh, you know, data scientists, data engineers, they can attest this like they spend a lot of their time cleaning up data mm -hmm. and and that's when i think one of the bigger challenges we have in this industry is it, it, goes, it goes back to this point i was making with kind of hitting the maximum is a lot of it is because it still is it still is there's still a, a human and, and manual component to achieving a, a certain level of data quality that's needed and that's that's kind of what the way we see the world differently which is the more that we can the more that we can enforce and create context and and add in um, context into the data itself, the mm -hmm. more you're able, the, the quicker you're able to, uh, and, the, and the lower the lift is to actually get to a certain level of data quality and a broader set of data. And, you know, context allows you to create relationships in the data that don't necessarily exist natively as the data is being, you know, generated or are created from different applications. And that's that's really the way I think about our solutions. We we augment the data itself with context. And that context creates relationships. And that context, because of if it's standardized context, it creates structure that may not always exist in the data. All right, all right. That's a great point. You know, and so just to take a, a bit of a shift over, right, to another topic that I definitely want to highlight because when you get into this realm, right, uh, the things and the problems that you're solving, right, DevOps plays such a big, a huge, um, it's a huge impact, right? And what we're seeing is that DevOps is a rise, right? And DevOps, we're seeing enterprise standpoint, you know, um, that DevOps is a big thing. It's like everywhere you go, they have a DevOps team, right? They're doing integration, develop deployments, delivery, make rapid testing and all that. It's all a great process, right? Um, why is enterprise moving more towards the DevOps, right? You got containers and things like that. Why do you see yep. that? Something that's a big rise right now. Yeah, I, you know, I actually, I agree with everything you said. The, the interesting thing is I actually step, you take a step back and what I'm seeing is just the rise of ops. So it's not just mm -hmm. DevOps. You think about in the last couple of years within companies, there's been the rise of like revenue operations and marketing operations. Mm -hmm. and I actually think we're in this era that is the what I call kind of the rise of ops generally. And I think some of it comes down to what we're talking about. I think data as data and process becomes such a big part of creating scale. I think that's part of why you're seeing these this. It's almost like we're having to go back and retrofit and say, listen, we've got to we've got to address some of the underlying process and um, operational issues. Thus, you're seeing the rise of these ops, not only ops organizations, but ops tools. And I think, I, I, I think there's, I think there's, I don't think the rise of and the kind of growth in DevOps and revenue ops and marketing ops and these other operations is disconnected. I think they're, I think they're somewhat connected because they are, they are sort of all solving a similar thread, different problems, and they're different, you know, different tools and things to solve them. But at the core of it, there's underlying some issues that I think um, the complexity to manage an organization, especially digitally, was really kind of there's there's steps I think we've 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 skipped in this evolution, and I think that's what you're seeing is we're going back now with the rise of ops. And putting in place process and some of the other things that, that were kind of skipped because we we're moving so quickly that that need to be there and and it's, and it's there's this whole kind of emergence of tools to support those organizations and those individuals and i think that's really where i see what's going on is more broadly is that rise of ops 
No, that's that's awesome, you know, because I you just uh, you know definitely hit something that I didn't even think about, right? When I hear ops in the technology realm, you're hearing about DevOps a lot, but you're right, you know, in every um, field right now, ops is a big deal, right? You know, yeah, and it solves a problem. And I guess what I'm seeing even more is that you know it's not just uh, they're going they're going back and saying, look, this is a problem we need to solve, but they're taking it a step further and people are solving it with um, like automated uh, mm-hmm. tools right, that are in place, yep. right? That's becoming the standard, you know, and I think that might be the future where you see some of the automated processing in place. So those processes you talked about, right? AI, ML is going to be in place to be able to make the decisions. Um, do you even see uh, people who are in the op field that are always doing these manual operations, right? Do you see them losing their jobs eventually when it comes down to, um, you know, that? No, I, you know, I, I think it's, I think that there is, it's like anything, right? We Technology, technology by itself does not solve the problem. You have, it, it's a, I, I'm a firm believer that there's an intersection with you know, people and technology, because at the end of the day, it's software. A lot of this is just software, right? And I shouldn't say it's just, but um, I think that as the scale of these problems gets larger, it's cost prohibitive to just throw bodies at the problem. There has to be automation. So, yeah, I do think that, do I do think there's going to be, and the the technology provides, automation and scale and some of the other things that, that you can't achieve necessarily with people, but ultimately there have to be, they, they, you have to couple that with people to make decisions. I, I think you're going to see those people. It's, it's like, all, I think what we always see these, those people probably get their skill sets, probably get retooled. They start right. to learn how to use the tools themselves and how to leverage those tools. So that it's not just about putting a solution or, you know, a technology solution in place, but it's, how do we extract the maximum value out of that investment that we're putting in place? And that usually involves people, people as well. So I think you're going to see more. So the rise of ops to me is, is actually a rise in, and in this kind of emergence of some technology solutions, but I also think it's kind of a pivot and a kind of retooling of the people themselves. And yeah. it's that combination where, cause again, I think the, the problems are getting to be so, so large and so complex and so kind of integrated that it, it requires to have, you know, both sides of that people and people, I, it, maybe it's all three sides, people, process and technology in place to, to solve it. No, that's a great point. You know, and I, I completely agree. I always talk about, you know, I like to ask the question, you know, do you think AI or ML is going to take over jobs? And I don't necessarily look at it as that, right. You know, as we continue to add these tools and technologies, right. It's um, in the future when you go to school, you're going to go to school to learn the tools that are going to do that, right? You know, so you're you're going to shift your your job or your career, right? So the newer generation now they're not actually learning how to do all the coding and all that stuff as much. They may learn how to do the tools, right? Or prior yeah. to that, all the manual scanning of all the data sets. I mean, who can keep up with like millions and millions of rows of data, right? That's constantly changing manually. You need tools in place to be able to scan it and all that stuff, right? You need all the, the, the stuff to automate those things. But learning how to use that tool would be key, right? You know, and yeah. it allows you to scale better and things like that, you know. So I completely agree with that. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, and we're seeing that. I think that, you know, it's more and more it requires you know, even, even, even like within mark, you know, in the functional areas like marketing and finance, like it's no longer, can you get by without having some technical skills? You have to have, mm-hmm. there, there's a component of that. Like, to me, this whole idea that, you know, you've got STEM over, you know, like you talk about education, you got STEM that sits over here and then you've got everybody else that sits over here. It's like, no, the, the, it's becoming much more, everything's kind of becoming much more integrated. It's, it's part of the way we work. It's a part of the way we live. And, right. and I think, that is going to continue to be the convergence of that is going to continue to, to happen. And, and I think to be successful in these functional areas, you know, like finance, marketing and other, other areas, you've got to have the ability to, you know, in some ways, not, I don't want to say code, but you've got to have the ability to, to, to move beyond just what, what are the functional needs and the skills I need to have, but it's now I've got, I've got tools and I've got other, other 
I've got applications and other other things that I need to other things I didn't know they're more technical to do my job. And that's just that's just kind of I think the kind of this pivot that's happening with a lot of people in their careers, which I think is a good thing. No, no, absolutely, absolutely agree with that. You know, so I do want to wrap it up a little bit. Um, I don't want to hold you too long. You know, I know you're a busy person and Santa's coming. You know, that's all right, Santa's coming, man. You know, so. Uh, but, you know, I do want to end right with some of those. Um, so I, I, I know that we look at like Clarimine as, as a tool that is really helping out with data quality and things like that. You know, um, uh, uh, do you see other data cleansing tools that you utilize, you know, that uh, that's in place? And I know Clarimine is probably one of the top. Right? do you see any out there? Uh, not competitors necessarily, but more so um, ones if I was a student or something like that, you say, hey, look, just use this, you know, or something that you think, you know, I, I typically use like your Python and 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 R and Excel, right, because I'm, I'm so deep into programming, but I'm sure there's some tools out there that, you know, that's starting to take over some of those things where you don't have to be as deep technical, right? Yeah, and I think there's more, yeah, there's, there's the emergence of, of tools like Datadog, and, and there's a lot of other tools out there that are more, I think, business-focused, but Honestly, you know, the thing that we see still, and you hit on it, is people use Excel. I mean, Excel, right. <laughs> as much as I want to say there's all these cool things out there, like, there, it's still shocking to me how widely Excel is used. And we, we see it in our own business. I mean, ultimately, what we, what we talk about is we built an application largely to, to replace Excel. So I, I still see Excel mm -hmm. as one of those tools out there. I use it every single day. I use it a lot. And it is... It's a simple, elegant tool that that the world's using. Um, you know, there are there are a number of tools out there. Like, there's some cool tools out there that are emerging on the on the in the data pipeline side. You know, around observability, there's all these spaces that are emerging, and I think a lot of it's being built on top of the cloud infrastructure that that's now kind of exploded with Snowflake and and the the breadth of what Snowflake is trying to build out on their platform. And just the, the the ease with which you, we, which you can integrate into that platform makes it such that those you know Snowflake and others have big marketplaces that are exposing people to really interesting kind of applications or tools to that that are built on top of the uh, on top of the data. Right, right, and and I just uh, I guess just to highlight, you're handling you have that whole pipeline, right? But you have a unique part in that pipeline we do right? we do we yeah we're not handling the whole pipeline we're, we're literally we, right. we, we focus kind of we in fact we look at it differently we we try to say listen we sit in front of the pipeline and if you actually put in place um create data context and, and create data standards it actually makes the other you know the pipeline itself much more so much effective and much more efficient right. <laughs> right right are you kind of handing it off to like a tableau or something like that or can they hand off the data to another uh yeah uh, okay okay great. yeah yeah we yeah we have we have there's all sorts of transformation um capabilities we have in our solution because because again we don't we have, we're not trying to build a visualization or a um, right analytics solution we it, i always say there was a company back in like the 80s or 90s called BA, it was BA, basf and they're like we we don't make the products you use we make the products you use better and mm -hmm. that's kind of the way we think about our businesses we don't make the you know we don't we're not making the database we're not making the the data the the, the data solutions and the, the analytics solutions the bi solutions but we make those solutions work better and that's kind right. of how we think about our business yeah i i, I dislike when um yeah, companies try to do it all, right? You know, just yeah. <laughs> just have that. You have a unique that unique set that makes you actually more marketable. You know, you have that niche. You know, and and you you're trusted more, right? Because you focus in on that specific problem to solve, and so that's a great problem that you're always solving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. It does. And, and you know, at the scale we're at as a company, focus is critical, and um, there are enough problems out there to solve right now especially on data that um, I think it's a great time to be kind of building solutions and, and providing solutions around that in that area. Because I think that we see it every single day, how much organizations are still struggling to get their hands around this. And again, it's, it's, it's evolving quickly and there's, there's a, a lot of huge kind of developments and, and improvements over the last couple of years, but I think there's still a lot of this, you know, we're still, you know, years away from kind of, an end-to-end -end solution, and that's that's ultimately what I think we're all trying to. And it's not about one vendor having end-to-end, -end, but it's how this stuff works together. 
Right, right. Well, thank you. I appreciate you joining. And and um, I mean, this has been a very insightful, great conversation. I usually end what I call a dope nugget or gem. Um, and what I've learned throughout this conversation is there are companies and mechanisms for like eliminating data, right? Cleanup, um, the cleanup portion, you know, which in my eyes is probably one of the most difficult parts. And um, and and what you all are doing is solving that problem, right? The unique problem that a lot of companies um, uh, need. That's a need for them, you know. And so, and also, I learned that there's a rise in, in ops in general, right? Not just when we talk about DevOps, which is like a big buzzword that they use, right? But you got marketing ops and all kinds of different ops. You know, you name it, there's probably an industry out there that's building an ops team if they haven't already done it, you know. And so, you're, you know, that, that problem is also being addressed. Um, I do like to end with a game, right? So a real quick game, you know, I talked about it before, and I, I always do this game with the uh, the guests. Um, we're, we're so technical, we talk deep technical all the time, you know, even high level, I like to keep a little bit of fun and excitement in there for the audience. And so I bring in a game called Overrated, Underrated. And as I mentioned before, uh, basically, um, I ask you a question or just say a phrase or a word or something like that, and you decide whether you think it's overrated, underrated, or right where it needs to be. So, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Multitasking. Oh man, I, I'd say that's underrated. Oh, nice. I, 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 really, I really, yeah, and I, I said because I'm a guy. Like, I, yeah, that's how I feel. All right, <laughs> I agree. All right, uh, goat cheese. I love goat cheese. Underrated, definitely. Underrated, underrated. Yeah, I'm not a big goat cheese fan, but it depends. It depends on what it's mixed with, you know. Then I'm like, all right, I can dig it, you know. All right, video games. Uh, everybody's probably gonna hate me on this. I think they're overrated. I, I, <laughs> I just don't have time for it, man. I don't have. I do not have the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, I agree. I, I agree. I, I, um, as technical as I am, right, I have a lot of friends, you know, that, that just, they're like gamers or I have, even my son, right. He's like a super gamer right now. And I'm, yep. I'm like, I wish I could, wish I could play with you sometimes, you know, and, and, and so I'll be, I, I know I would be so far behind. So, uh, yeah, I, I would love to do it, but I don't have the time, you know? So I do, I do think it's overrated when you have like a business and things like that sometimes because it could just get in the way and maybe slow you down, you know, just depends yeah, on I, you. I, it's just a huge, it's a huge time suck. I, I, I have a son that's, you know, he's, he does, he plays Fortnite and he loves it. he's good. And, but man, I see these kids walking around and they're like, they're, they're watching other people play video games. You know, it's just like, it's not just that I'm playing it. I'm actually watching other people play it so it's like yeah. it's I, I anyways more of a consumer right instead of a producer <laughs> but we're, we're not you neither you are probably in that demographic so yeah in sense it's overrated so yeah yeah definitely all right uh financial stewardship underrated yeah i agree i agree all right youtube you know i would have said underrated but Last week, I had to switch my TV provider because they stopped carrying for you know a couple of days all the ABC property. So I would say now it's <laughs> overrated. I had to switch providers. They ticked me off on Saturday. I started to watch a bull game. Yeah, I couldn't watch it because they, they didn't have ESPN. So I had to switch to Hulu. Oh man! Oh man! All right, last one. Uh, well, the last two, cycling. Underrated. I love. I love spending time on my that. bike, man. <laughs> love to spend time on my bike. Yeah, yeah. You do a lot of it. You know, I know you told me that was something of interest to yours. That's why I threw it out there. You know, give the audience an insight on some of the extracurricular activities you do outside of it. You know. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've done. I, I love. There's something about being on a bike and being kind of single focused and single threaded, and and the pain that comes sometimes with like, <laughs> you know, I, I do, I do long, I do long, long rides and, and I live here in the mountains in Utah. And I don't know, there's something about kind of getting in the hurt locker. I call it. That's yeah. That's, yeah. It's, it sounds weird, but it, I, I like it. No, no, that's great, man. That's great. Well, Vera, I, I, Vera, I, I really appreciate you being on here. You know, I won't uh, hold you any longer, man. I, I hope you enjoy the rest of your holidays. 
you know, and again, audience, thank you for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. I'm your host, Dapper Data. Where can they reach you at, bro? And is there anything that you're promoting right now, books, conferences, uh, you want them to go to the website, whatever? You know, I, I just encourage people, you know, if, if they're interested and have questions out of what we're talking about today, look me up on LinkedIn. There's not a lot of people out there with the name Verl, and uh, so I'm pretty easy to find. All right. Great, great. And as, as you all know, you can meet, reach me on any one of the social media platforms at Mr. Dapper Data, um, uh, including LinkedIn as well. And uh, have a happy holidays, you know, and look forward to talking to you next year. All right. Thank you for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion with your host, Dapper Data.